Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I am your host, Christian. Joined with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Hello. And Jay Hugh. I'll be honest with you, Christian. I was hoping that you would start this off doing your best Elvis impression. So it's funny you say that. I thought instead of caca, Kurt would do like a uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I practiced, I practiced doing Kuka and Elvis voice all day. And then the last second, I chickened out. Um, yeah, we're here to talk about Elvis. Hang on. Uh, not just Elvis. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. <laughs> uh, uh, starring Austin Butler and Tom Hanks and, um, you know, other people for some reason. The guy that looks like Zac Efron, but isn't Zac Efron. Is that the kid from, are you talking about Dacker Montgomery? I am talking about Dacker Montgomery. Yeah, I was. He looks chunky in this movie. <laughs> what, what got me? I texted her immediately. And listen, we'll talk about the movie in a minute. But fucking David Wenham is in this movie for some reason. And like, listen, I just love Faramir so much as a character, but I don't understand why that guy gets put him put in movies. He's not a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, guys, got to put food on the table. Yeah. So. What did we think of Elvis? Heard, I know you've watched this first, so I want to let you go. Man, you know, uh, I don't know. What, what can I say? I fucking loved this shit. <laughs> I, you know, I waited a long time to get to see it. I was like trying every weekend and couldn't. And finally, I got to see it. And, you know, when you wait that long for something you really want to see, sometimes you build it up too much and it's a letdown. And that was not the case with this. This was, you know, just a three-hour assault of light and noise. And I, fucking, <laughs> I loved it. That I, is the best possible way to describe this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know that the big complaint that uh, that everybody has about this movie is Tom Hanks's uh, performance that maybe it's a little over the top or something. How can anything be too over the top for this movie? <laughs> like, yeah, no, nah, I love this movie better than Transformers, definitely. I, I feel like nonstop assault of light and sound is both what you can say as like a positive endorsement and a, a criticism of this movie. Like right, whichever right. side you land on, you say the same things about it. Right. If you love or hate this movie, you it's because of. <laughs> well, look, I'm totally with you. I, uh, I also had an absolute blast with this. It's one of those things where music biopics are so played out isn't necessarily the word, but just so formulaic at this point that it, they've done two movies now that make fun of it. The formula. Uh, right. And so you'd think that a movie that, I mean, objectively, you know, by its very nature, by the actual story is pretty close to the formula would not work. But uh, yeah, you just you put enough uh, chutzpah behind it. You put it, put enough fancy scene transitions and and anachronistic song choices. And it's a great time. I'll take a slightly different turn here than you, gentlemen. Um, I'll say this. There are three common complaints with this movie, or maybe not common complaints, difficult topics in Elvis's life that they just fucking breeze past. Uh, We never say that Priscilla is 14 when they meet. We just avoid that topic altogether. It It has a very positive viewpoint on the appropriation, and it definitely makes the drug abuse make him seem like the victim that he was put in that situation by other people's doing those three things all true tom hanks is not good in this movie having said all that fuck is austin butler not incredible he's incredible he is 
so goddamn good in this movie. And it is it. I, I tell people, I'm like, listen, I don't know if it's good. I would tell you it's probably a bad movie, but I will watch it again just to be in awe of that dude. Because there are literal moments. And I know people say this about biopics all the time. This is probably the first time I ever was like, is this archive footage or is this? Is yeah, this no, history? absolutely. Like he was so engrossed in the role. He looks the part. He sounds the part. I know for most of the singing, it's him. I think later in life, it's a little bit more of a mixture between the two. But for that alone, it's better than Transformers. See, I, I can't remember the last time I was just so impressed with a performance. And I normally shit on biopic actors. Rami Malek being the number one. Oh, absolutely. He's so <laughs> Ram- good. Rami Malek is going to come up at least two times, more times in this, For sure. I, in this episode. I, <laughs> I, I really was worried we would get through this whole movie without arguing about. Uh, <laughs> so that's great. A uh, couple of things you, you talked about, Christian, that I'd like to address. Definitely going into this, I really wondered how they were going to deal with the Priscilla thing. And I think that's the thing that like maybe keeps a lot of people from watching it maybe like i know when sarah was watching it that was the part she just couldn't get past i mean she liked the movie but that part was just gross i felt like there was a couple ways they could have handled it that i had thought of going into it the first of it was just have a wedding scene and during it have elvis look straight in the camera and throw jerry lee lewis under the bus just say (laughs) hey at least she's not my cousin yeah second one was the would be have Elvis look directly in the camera and just make an argument based on quality. Like, look, the granddaughter of this union was in two of the three best movies of the teens. Like, you wouldn't have that if this didn't happen. So, overall, it's a good thing for the world. They didn't do either of those. What they instead did was made Priscilla the smartest person in the movie. I think that was how they got around. It's like, yeah, she's only 14, but she's smarter than ever. But her mind is older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I realized that that was one of the things that I, I wanted to, I don't know if, if it was worth like discussing, but I recognize going into this that all of us were a little, uh, I mean, uh, you know, we all missed Elvis uh, in while he was live in his prime, all of that pretty much. Right. So like, uh, you know, this is kind of my issue with biopics as a whole. And it's, it's I, I think this has happened every single time we've done an episode on anything that's remotely historical is the danger with one of these uh, with these things is as far as I'm concerned, what happened in this movie is what just happened in real life, because I don't actually know that much about Elvis's life. I don't right. even know if I before, you know, I don't even know how many Elvis songs I actually knew. And so, yeah, like I, I don't I don't fucking know about the Priscilla thing until I started reading the trivia for this movie. So it didn't bother me at all. But again, the movie does not present it as a thing to be concerned about. I will say, I don't think it ignores appropriation. I think it says appropriation is awesome. It has a very positive viewpoint of it. I, I, was, I was thinking the whole time, Hurt, about when you said, you know, people talk about it negatively, but you thought if Elvis doesn't exist, like that sets us back so many years. And I, I, you kind of swayed me on that argument. Like, I do think that there is probably some truth to that. It's still, it goes, it goes a very long way of saying that, like, He's trying to honor those things. I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not true, but that's not what I know of that story. You know, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if that was really what was in the dude's heart, but that's definitely what he tried to sell. You know, he tried to sell that he had a great respect for those guys and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I mean, my feelings on appropriation is it's one of those things that 
we didn't care about till 10 years ago and now it's always bad. And I think, you know, I mean, there's good appropriation and bad appropriation. Do we really want to live in a world without the Beastie Boys? Do we really want to live in a world without Fugazi? You know, those are bands that lean heavily on appropriation. So, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I think this movie definitely tries to spin. So, I mean, it definitely leaned into what I already thought of this subject. Yeah. You and Baz Luhrmann agree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So can we talk about what the fuck is going on with Tom Hanks in this movie? Oh, that's good. That's what I was going to say, too. What the fuck is... So first off, I was most mad, I think, when I finished this movie. I was, again, going to IMDb, and I realized the top build actor in this movie was Tom Hanks. I mean, this Uh, is a Tom Parker movie. Like It is about Colonel Tom Parker. I guess so, but also, like... I I don't know what his his ratio of lines to, to Austin Butler's are, but it's definitely less, and uh, he mostly just wa- like shuffles around in a fat suit, scowls, and and talks in just a, a nonsense accent. I don't really understand. I, I, I mean, love the accent so much. It's so insane. It's nothing. <laughs> it just it just goes back and forth between like <laughs> being like German to being Southern to being gay. Like it just it does so many different things. Yeah, I, I, I kind of soured on Tom Hanks, y'all. I think the last few years have not done him any favors. And it will be hard for me to forget this role for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like, I feel like that's part of the Baz Luhrmann effect, though, right? You know, like he's he's so just patently like bald faced, untrustworthy all the time. And everything about not just like, you know, the mannerism, the words, but I mean, the accent and the, the made upness of the accent, I feel like sells part of how phony he is right yeah yeah he's definitely presented in this in a way that you're like how does everyone not recognize immediately right that he's a mustache twirling villain yeah i mean for sure as joseph was saying that baz Luhrmann is not a fan of subsulty he no. wants you to know right i mean i will say you my absolute favorite thing about this movie all around i think the mixes and the song choice are really good but I would have been really pissed off if I had sat here for three hours and did not get in the ghetto because that's the craziest fucking Elvis song. And I am so happy they put it in there. And it's like the last song. So great. I I would bet that's probably Baz Luhrmann's favorite Elvis song. Probably. <laughs> like, it seems like the one he would love. I will go around. I mean, when I start, I can't stop. It's like a week long. I'll just randomly be like, in my ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> this either also had to be a really fun or a really awful job to be the costume designer for. Right. Uh, all, of, all of the Elvis costumes, I imagine, were the fun bit, but there were just a shit ton of costumes in this movie. I, I recognize that like, huh, you know what? Maybe we should start wearing capes more. Right. Capes are pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, all right. Are, are we in spoilers or are we even carrying about uh, there, What spoilers can there be about a movie about Elvis? I, well, because what I was going to talk about is some of the things that, you know, I've, I have watched a lot of Elvis movies and, you know, read a lot of Elvis stories and stuff. And one of the things I liked about this is it doesn't stand on the usual spots that the other ones do. For instance, it doesn't even touch on the Ed Sullivan show. And instead, mm. you know, focuses more on like the embarrassment of the Steve Allen show. And it doesn't really linger too long on, it doesn't even really touch on 
his friendships from Sun Records. Instead, it was more about his friendship with B.B. King, who that kid who played B.B. King was fucking awesome. And that kid who played Little Richard was fucking awesome. Incredible. Baz Luhrmann should follow this up with a Little Richard movie. Mm. Yeah, I I forgot about that, Herbie. You're, that, that Little Richard dude was, I mean, he kills that part. Totally. And one of the things I really liked about it is most Elvis stuff is basically around the idea that as soon as he gets to Vegas, he's over. He's a bloated has been in Vegas. And this, you know, this really goes into, you know, for a little while, Vegas was cool. Captain Marvel outfits are cool. You know, fucking a 30 piece band is cool. You know, laser lights and shit like because that style is, you know, really some of the stuff that Elvis is most known for. So I'm glad it wasn't betrayed as that's the end as soon as he gets there. I guess I, I've always tied so much of Vegas's persona right. to, to Elvis. And uh, certainly seeing it in this light tells a different story. Um, so it made me ask, is Vegas a victim in this movie? Like, is it, <laughs> is, it, is it worse off now that this movie exists than it was before? I can uh, tell you the, the Elvis Museum in Vegas probably is, <laughs> which I've been to. And I, like, I remember the basic gist is, Elvis just loved Las Vegas so goddamn much. He never wanted to leave. <laughs> part of this movie, that is not true at all. <laughs> that was interesting. That part, I actually really, really did enjoy that. I don't have much else. Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, all, uh, when you mentioned Las Vegas, it just reminds me of all of Baz Luhrmann's insane scene transitions, shot transitions, <laughs> like the, the weird spinny, like upside down into the international. It's fucking, it's great. I love that shit. <laughs> it was really cool. Let's see what else. I, I mean, I just like so much about this movie that the uh, the the stuff during the comeback special. I like that they really lingered on that for a while. Did a lot with it. Baz Luhrmann was born to film that giant red light Elvis sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I guess it's it's hard to say too much about it. I know it's it's almost it's this always happens to us when it's a good movie. And I feel like we were expecting, you know, the, the thing about Baz Luhrmann is it's 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 a spectacle either way. But it's definitely fun to talk about a spectacular just bomb. But this one's it's pretty good. Right. <laughs> it, I really liked it. I'm not going to I won't say I thought it was pretty good. I think I don't think the movie's very good. I just get so caught up in the spectacle of Baz Luhrmann. And I thought Austin Butler just was like a force on screen. Like I. I I really really enjoyed his his performance. Everybody else I could just fucking do without. I did not care, but he was good. Yeah, I, I sent you guys a video right before this. If you didn't watch it, I uh, I did, and I loved it. It's insane. It was great. So so Austin Butler. I, this this movie was filming like during COVID, and then got shut down, and then restarted. Whatever. So they filmed this movie, which I mean. You know, apparently there's like way more footage than made it into the movie, but for like two and a half years. And apparently Austin Butler would just like hardcore in Elvis land for two and a half years. And he like has a completely different accent now than he had before this movie. And it's in like it's not quite Elvis, but it's definitely like he's from California. So he had like a very like SoCal generic American accent. And now it's somewhere between that and Elvis all the time now. No, he's, he sounds like he's from Memphis. I mean, yeah. he does. 100% sounds cooler. He's just a <laughs> yeah, He does. <laughs> he sounds cooler. He does. <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you guys hear the thing that Denzel helped him get the job? I did hear, tell us, tell us more about it, though. Yeah, apparently Denzel called up Baz Luhrmann and told him, you will be very impressed by this young man's work, work ethic. 
which sounds like exactly something Denzel Washington. Absolutely, it does. And the other amazing thing, I'm assuming you read this in the same place that I do, is apparently Denzel Washington never met Baz Luhrmann. So just cold calling this dude, be like, hey, let me tell you about my boy. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. This is either here nor there. Has nothing to do with that. And really, it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. It just seems kind of appropriate, and I want to talk about it. Every couple of years, this there's this clip of Little Richard coming up, and people ask him about what is it like, like being the least famous person of like that group of artists. And he was like, he's always like, I owned every fucking song they were singing. I don't care if I was the least famous. He's like, I made <laughs> way more money than all of them. Uh, and it's just every time I see it, it brings me such joy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's uh, unless we had anything else on this. Like again, I I disagree with Christian. I think. As a movie, minus maybe Tom Hanks, I still I think it's pretty good, but uh, it's absolutely worth seeing just for Austin Butler's performance alone. He, yeah. it's it's smashing. I don't know how else to describe it. I think even the horror in it is compelling. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like like Tom Hanks. I I'm not saying that that is a great job of acting, but is it a job of acting you can't look away from? <laughs> and the Fair. clowns were just so creepy. <laughs> why did he have those creepy clowns I, all the time i, I don't know and, yeah. uh, re- remember when he he first corners elvis in the hall of mirrors at the carnival terrifying <laughs> i fucking love baz Luhrmann. this shit's outstanding <laughs> that is like, that again that is so baz <laughs> also the word snow has so many different meanings in this that i i genuinely lost track of what we were actually yeah, I talking know about what it most means, of the yeah. time Right. They, they use it so colloquially, like everybody knows what we're talking about, but I didn't know what they were talking right. about. Yeah. All I thought about in the hall, the mirror scene and whatever, you know, I was like in that. The only two movies Baz Luhrmann saw in 2019 were Bohemian Rhapsody and us. And he, <laughs> he wrote an entire fucking movie off of it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's solid. yeah. Dead on. Anyway, that's Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. It's good. It's two hours and f- 50 minutes, I think. But, I, you know, it's on HBO Max, so. I think if you watch all three hours of this and despise it, you'll still, it'll be an experience worth having. Yeah, you'll, you'll be the better for it. Right. I agree. Better than Transformers. Yeah. You don't seem convinced. <laughs> I'm not. But I will definitely watch it again. And I'll probably watch it before the next time I watch Transformers. So sure, better than Transformers. Dude, I'm telling you, this shit's this shit's like what Hamilton was to you guys. I just, anytime I'm not doing something, I throw it on. So you've watched it multiple times already? I have watched it multiple times. Wow. Outstanding. Now, not all the way through. I'm not, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't have too much time. I'm old. But, <laughs> uh, but I have watched, I have started this movie multiple times. Hurt, you're a big fan of authenticity on musical equipment and things. What did you think of this movie? You know, I feel like there was one guitar. I can't remember now, but there was one guitar. I was like, that guitar doesn't seem right. But everything else seemed pretty on board. Seemed pretty good. Yeah. I was- Definitely during the comeback special, those were the guitars that dude played in the comeback special. I mean, there is, of course, some influences of modern music. Most of them are songs that sample like Elvis tracks. So I thought that was fine. I was surprised there wasn't more, truthfully. Right. Than Lerman, but I know. Yeah, we, we, okay, we, better than Transformers. Better, yeah, there you go. Better than Transformers. <laughs> I know we've I know we've sworn off the Oscars on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure we've already given away 
fucking Rami Malek's Oscar to somebody else for doing something better. So now, now I'm recommending that we give Rami Malek in a glass case to, uh, to Austin <laughs> Butler for this performance. I, you know, I, we know that I didn't hate Bohemian Rhapsody like you guys did. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. Uh, that that being said, definitely Austin Butler should be able to take Rami Malek's Oscar and beat him to death. With. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's uh, that's Elvis. What have we been watching this past week, guys? I really didn't watch much, so I'll talk about Rings of Power. Watched the first couple episodes of the Amazon Lord of the Rings show, Rings of Power. And guys, this show fucking kicks. Um, it is so fucking good. Uh, one, it just looks incredible. Um, but two, I think the internet misunderstands what Amazon can and cannot do. So too many people are like, oh, that's not fucking Gladriel wasn't like that. Uh, read the Similarian. They literally can't. They can't tell that story. They bought the rights to Lord of the Rings, those three books, and then they wrote an entire fucking show off the appendix of Lord of the Rings. They didn't write a show off the book that this story is or references. So it's completely like different, their version, original. And I think they pretty much knock it out of the park. I know people are upset that they have black people as elves, but fucking read The Hobbit. The elves sing tra la la lolly all the fucking time. And Peter Jackson didn't do that, and good on him, because Tolkien was wrong. And uh, I say this as a person who reads Lord of the Rings every single year. I'm reading it right now again for what will be like the 17th time. Fuck it, it's not perfect. Right. Um, and they made changes, and there's no way, there's absolutely no way you could tell me that if Lord of the Rings, if Fellowship of the Ring came out today and they made the change that they made and made Arwen the person to save Frodo, that these same people would not be bitching. They didn't care back then because they didn't have Twitter, but now right. they care. Right. This show is good, and I don't care who fucking knows it. I don't care what people think about it. It is really well produced. It's very expensive, it looks like, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. I also really liked the first two episodes of this. And I like even the complaint that, oh, Galadriel was never this kind of badass. You know, she's like 10,000 fucking years old. Maybe she went through a phase. Yeah, I don't I don't get this. <laughs> why do you want people to be what you know them to be? Why don't want, why don't you want to see character development? <laughs> right, right. Specifically with like Galadriel and Elrond, if you take what we see in the story, if this is all building up to the Battle of Mount Doom and Isildur cutting the ring off the hand of Sauron, if that's what we're building to, we know Elrond is there and Galadriel is not. So it's kind of interesting that we're starting with two characters, Galadriel, who wants to be there, and Elrond, who could not give a shit. I want to see how we get to that point. Like It's interesting to me that they're different than what we think. But I hadn't just, even thought of that, but that's a really good point. I like that a lot. Yeah, people just want to be spoon-fed the same bullshit they already know. Man, my, my thing at this point is anything that pisses off Elon Musk must be good. It's actually opinion. probably a good bellwether. I like that. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out. I've only made, made it one episode through the show, but where the fuck are they finding all these British people that have just like these crazy-ass faces? Are there like normal looking people in Britain. Right. I don't know. I just feel like I feel like there are a lot of people that should be like put in closets instead of being put on screen, but it's fine. I, at this point, if you're British, you are either acting in uh, House <laughs> of the Dragon or in Lord of the Rings. Those right. are the only two jobs you can have. If you're <laughs> these are these are the D tier guys. There, there's some story about uh, 
Big Trouble in Little China and The Golden Child were filming at the same time. And, you know, those both really rely on Asian casts. So literally people would just clock out at one and go to the other. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Rings of Power. I Check it out. Don't listen to people online. It's good. I also watch House of the Dragon. And I think this is way more engaging than that show. Other than Matt Smith, who fucking kicks ass. I, I only watched one episode of House of the Dragon, but I totally agree. This is way better. Uh, House of the Dragons, for, for a show that was known for its unpredictability, House of the Dragon just feels really by the numbers and predictable. Is it because we know what happens? I, I would say no, but I'm interested to hear your opinion. My counter question to that also is, is it because it just feels like a show that's trying to explain Daenerys? I mean, 100% it's a show that's trying to explain Daenerys. Uh, I, I mean, I know, I really think, you know, I mean, if you think of the first episode of Game of Thrones, how many characters were thrown at you and how much different things were going on and how hard it was to keep up with. And then it ends with really the most sympathetic character you've met up to that point getting pushed out of a window by, you know, an incestuous knight. Like, you haven't seen that shit before. This was just, you know, there was, there was a king and an heir you were rooting for and an heir you weren't rooting for. And at the end of the first episode, the heir you're rooting for is on top. That seems pretty predictable. Yeah. I want to I go back to Rings of Power real fast. I want to I wanna say a spoiler warning. And Joseph, if you haven't watched the second episode, this is not going to make a whole lot of sense. But a good example of what I mean about people just separating what they know from just trying to enjoy this show is the mysterious character that shows up at the end of episode one. They do a really good job of like trying to make you not believe it's Sauron so much to the point that I'm like, God, I hope it's Gandalf, which would be like 3000 years before Gandalf gets to middle Earth. <laughs> but I want it to be Gandalf. Like fuck the story. Just give me Gandalf. It almost feels like it's Superman. Like it's a very yeah. Superman introduction. Yeah, it's definitely Sauron. I'm right. positive, but I really wanted it to be Gandalf. It, it would be crazy crossover if it was Superman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was really like, are they doing like a Superman thing? Is that what they're going to try to do here? Sure. Why not? Fuck it. Do whatever they want to. As long as it pisses off Elon Musk. <laughs> That's it. I talk forever. <laughs> what you been watching? Uh, man, I watched another movie about Elvis. Okay. Uh, there was, uh, uh, Amazon, because I watched Elvis so much, I guess, keeps pushing this uh, movie to me called Elvis and Nixon. The funny thing about this, this is not the first movie I've watched about this. I've already watched a different movie about the meeting of Elvis and Nixon. The first one, I kind of enjoyed a lot. It was, uh... You know, I watched it when I was young, so I can't say that it was good. And it had like nobody in it, but I enjoyed watching. This one wasn't a very good movie, but it's Michael Shannon as Elvis and canceled Kevin Spacey as Nixon. Woo! And watching those guys ham it up is a pretty good time. I just want to see Michael Shannon as Elvis. Well, and man, it has the complete different take on Elvis than Baz Luhrmann's Elvis did. Like, you know... I would say probably where Elvis was, was somewhere in between these. Like the, you know, of course, Baz Luhrmann's really wanted you to sympathize with Elvis. This didn't want you to sympathize with Elvis at all, but yeah, it's a fun watch and it's free on Amazon. I won't go so far as to say better than Transformers, but funner than Transformers. <laughs> That's uh, all I got. 
perfect. Uh, I don't feel like I have, I, I know I'm forgetting something. I had planned to talk about two things and now I can only think of one thing, but the one thing I want to talk about is something that I've, I've meaning to bring up for a long time. We got recommended uh, three email from, from uh, one of our listeners, Trey about the Batman unburied podcast on Spotify mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Winston Duke as Bruce Wayne and uh, Lance Reddick as Thomas Wayne and a variety of other levels of fame people in it. It's got fucking Gimli in it. I think, What's his name? Something Reese. Jonathan Reese Davis. Jonathan Reese Davies. Thank you. It's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, I think it's like a 10 episode radio serial. Got, I'm not going to try and, and explain the plot because it's better to just listen to it, but it's a Batman story. The thing is, I think in general, it's pretty good. I I've listened to other radio serials before. I like Marvel, the Wolverine, uh, one that they did also. There's like an element to them that I think is inherently like kind of corny, but I feel like this one does pretty well. Uh, you know, just kind of by the standards of its own medium. I think everybody's really good. There's a really fun bit uh, in the middle where it's Barbara Gordon and the Riddler solving a crime together. And that, that's right. really fun. I would, I would, uh, having listened to it for like two episodes, I would listen to a whole podcast that was just that. Uh, the biggest drawback is Winston Duke is fucking terrible. Just really? God, 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 God awful. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, every single every single line read of his seems like like a sticky note that was passed to him as he was trying to make himself a sandwich. I don't <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's absolutely awful. Uh, it's too bad. That was a part of it. I I keep meaning to listen to this. That was a part of it I was li- looking forward to the most. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, look. I think uh, <laughs> there's a lot of it that's not Bruce Wayne centric. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think it works out that way that it, it doesn't entirely negate the rest of the, the show. But yeah, it is a real bummer for, you know, both kind of the central premise. And also, I like Winston Duke. I wanted to see him succeed, but this wasn't it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's a funny there's a, an episode name and a funny bit in it where and it's not intentionally funny where uh, uh, Batman goes to Alfred and says, get me my work clothes. And the idea that Batman sees being Batman as like a job is the most <laughs> insane thing I can even conceive of. <laughs> no, because Bruce Wayne is the job. <laughs> it's like, oh, Alfred, you know, I'd love, I'd love to make it, but I got to clock in at nine. <laughs> Just, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Batman, I'm very, I still think it's better than Transformers. Uh, but yeah, you've, you've been warned. Hey, you know, there actually was one more thing I wanted to talk about just very shortly. Did either of you guys watch any of that Taylor Hawkins tribute stuff? Fuck, I, dude. I saw yes. that there goes my hero with the, uh, with Sean. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and guess what Christian Jones's favorite part was. I'm going to guess it was when Dave Grohl got blown the fuck out trying to play Rush. <laughs> like he it, was dead. After doing working man, like not even YYZ, he, he got off the kit for YYZ. That wasn't my favorite part, but that was hilarious. <laughs> my favorite part was Wolfgang fucking playing Van Halen and everyone being like, he's so awesome. And I was like, this shit is terrible. <laughs> like I all respect in the world of that guy. Like, but he's not doing anything and all that impressive in that moment. But that was he, my favorite part. He was definitely, I mean, I felt like he was hitting the notes, but it was the first time I'd ever watched someone doing that where I think, oh shit, I could probably do that. <laughs> that, is, that is dead on. It's not <laughs> that I could tell you that anything was bad, 
Wait. But either A, Eddie was not as good as we all think he was, and he just made it look really cool. Right. Or B, Wolfgang is the most boring person to ever play guitar. I think it's that because, like, he really, I think Eddie had a flair for not just making it sound cool, but making it look really cool. I loved that part because, uh, because, you know, of course, Justin Hawkins is my fucking man. Uh, Justin Hawkins from The Darkness. And Josh Freese on drums. I fucking love that guy. I met yeah. that guy. Great dude. The ACDC part was really fun. Brian Johnson's always a hoot. Yeah, it was just a really good time. It was a really cool event. Really, really cool. But yeah, the them playing My Hero with Sean and, you know, and what I love about that bit, obviously the emotion there is great. But what I love is Dave Grohl consistently turning around and watching him and like making sure he's with it. Like great communication for that moment. because The the stage is just too big for the kid at that time. And I mean, he does a great job, but it was really, it was really good to me to see Dave Grohl like kind of take on that communication bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. uh, You know, all all the shit's on YouTube now. If anybody out there hasn't watched it way better than the Transformers. I, uh, I was actually out during the day that it was going on and my buddy Zach was just texting me constantly. And I thought that I thought he was just making shit up. It all sounded so cool. So when I got home and it was actually as cool as he explained it, it was a pretty big surprise. Let's do D23 next week. We'll have all new news. All right. That sounds good. I like it. D23 next week. Uh, but thanks for everybody for listening. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. You can reach that real phone at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. At Real Phonies and on Instagram at Real underscore Phonies. Uh, thanks to Zach Evans for our, Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>